Hi, everybody. I'm Wendy Murdoch, and this is Webinars with Wendy. I've been doing a series of webinars during the pandemic to entertain myself, uh, have great guests, and just share information. Um, on Fridays, we always talk about Surefoot. And today, we're going to see if we can talk about some case studies. I've asked the people signing into the webinar to uh, be able to raise their hand and share some case studies. And I can start that kind of, uh, I can start that off. So, um, Welcome everybody. Thank you so much for joining me. Um, for those of you, I'll just do a little explanation about Surefoot for anyone tuning into this webinar or watching this on YouTube that doesn't know about Surefoot. Um, basically, Surefoot is uh, something that I created 12 years ago, uh, uh, nine years ago, um, that if we put a horse on an unstable surface, they reorganize their balance, behavior, and movement. And uh, in the beginning, this was such a surprise. Uh, it was such an unexpected result from a very simple experiment that I did with a horse named Dante in 15 seconds. He totally changed the way he was moving after I put a pad under his foot. So we've continued to develop and expand and, and um, share this information and share the products with everybody. And the responses that we're getting are, are really fantastic. Um, horses are really, really benefiting all around. And in fact, I was just speaking with a veterinarian, like that's why it uh, took me a second to get organized here. But just this morning, I was speaking with a veterinarian who had to go and see a client and the horse was showing signs of laminitis and the shoes, he felt the shoes were too tight. So they pulled the shoes and he had some pads with him. And he was so surprised to find that the horse really liked standing on one of the slants under one foot, but wanted the other foot on the ground. So this is where he was so fascinated by really listening to the horse and figuring out what that horse wanted. And basically that horse just wanted one slant under one foot. Um, and so that's one of the things that's you know, really, really interesting is that we can have our preconceived notions of what we think the horse would like, but when we get there, we really have to pay attention to what the horse actually shows us because that's the magic. The magic is that we give the horses a voice and, um, and uh, let them show us what they want. Um, so it is, somebody has been talking about my hair and how long my hair has gotten. I will just mention that. And somebody else is saying that their hair has grown back to their high school length. Yeah, the middle of your back. I'm not there yet, but um, I'm not gonna cut my hair till after the pandemic's over. So we're gonna see how long it gets. All right, so I'd like to just share some, uh, let me find uh, a horse here that we can talk about. And actually I have one that's one of my favorite um, horses. I don't know if I've talked about this case before, but um, let me pull up some, I talked about this in, an, in an, um, a lecture that I did. I'm trying to find where the first, I'll just start here. So, um, Surefoot has many uses. There's many ways you can use it. You can use it with the horses unmounted and mounted. And in this particular case, this is actually one of, it's one of my favorite stories because the, not only were the changes amazing, but um, was such a dramatic story. So this horse was a hunter, a, a show hunter, and um, the owner's stepfather stole 20 horses, took them across state lines and ran this horse. This horse 
got run through a fence and it cut her upper arm down to the bone. And you can see right here, there's this scar and it took over a year for that to heal. And after it healed, the horse was moving in a very stilted pattern, very, very stiff. Her muscling you could see was really uh, not developing correctly. And I'll just play this little video. Um, and this, we've already gotten to two pads. And the reason the pads are yellow is because these were the, uh, the first set of pads that I ever made, which actually it's January. So uh, 2016. So January 2016, we launched our products. And um, my, my thought had been, for any of you who has these original ones, they're still in use, they're still working. Um, my original thought was that we would make all the foam different colors and then all the tops would be one color. Um, and so we had my manufacturer make, um, at the time we had hard, uh, we called it the impression pad originally, the impression pad, which is the hard pad now, um, firm, medium, and soft. And I think we had firm slants. So that was all we had. And they made all the tops yellow. And But the problem was that one of the foams couldn't be made into another color unless we ordered like 10,000 units, um, which I absolutely couldn't do. And so when we got all these yellow top pads and I realized that the foams were these boring colors because I couldn't change them, I was like, this can't stand. I, can't, I have to have color in my life. So um, the next, very next batch was when we introduced the different colored tops. So this horse is standing on, um, I'm not even sure what density actually, I'll play it again. Uh, what just happened? Well, let's see, I can go to the, I don't wanna know where it is. I just want to play the next one. There we go. So, so that's why the pads, whatever pad she's standing on all have a yellow top is because all the pads at that point had a yellow top. And if anybody's wondering why I'm doing this under saddle, it's because we needed to change the habit pattern of the horse under saddle. So horses have habits in environments just like we do and um, you know, you might be really fine when you're sitting in your living room watching a movie, but if I put you, say, in the in the middle of an office building and there's a lot of you know high pressure people around, you're going to act different. So we need to address habits in their environment, which is why I work under saddle. Um, and this is just I just did a whole series of short little videos with this horse, and here you can see that she's starting to sway a little bit. So. In between each of these videos, she's gone for a walk, right? And now we can see that she's actually moving her neck a little bit. And as she's doing that, she's swaying. Um, and so this was a progression to see that she started to do that, right? And there, it's so fascinating because she moved her foot and then she put her head right over that foot. But look at how the rest of her body is still swaying. And I'm just gonna grab my my scrubber bar here, and I'm gonna take that through slowly, right? So we can see that her head is more to the right. And then as she shifts it and raises it a little bit, her weight goes to the left. And the left is the leg with the injury. Uh, just see, I've got somebody. It's, uh, yep, also blinking, that's right. Um, and so now we can see she here, she's moved her head, but now watch, she's gonna shift her weight and she shifts it onto the right front and then she sways her body over the right front. And look at how her shoulder has actually gone past her foot. So if I drop a line from her shoulder, 
it would land here almost to the off the pad. So she shifted over. Then she moves her head. There's the eye blinks. She shifts her head again. Her whole body now sways over. And I think I talked about this um, last time. No, I was somewhere. Anyway, I've gotten a little confused. But we can see that the rider hasn't changed where she's sitting. What's happened is the horse has shifted the rib cage. So that's why the feet are not level. If I drew a level line across the feet, it would be here. But the whole rib cage has swung left and rotated. And so now it's more on this line. And that's why the rider is now shifted over. And she's just sitting passively. So at this point, I really want the rider to just be a weight with no, um, you know, just like if a sack on her back, right? So that she's just having to deal with the weight, no pressure, no adjusting, because she swings herself back. Look at how the rib cage has now moved back. Right, and now she's rotated it the other way. Right, and she rotates it even more. We can't see the other foot, but you can see how everything's come over to the right. And now as she turns her head, she moves that foot and widens it out, swings her head over that foot. Look at how even the rider's feet are now. So we can basically say that the rib cage is much more in the middle. Uh, oh, and by the way, Anybody's, oh, I know where I talked about this. I talked about it in Sharon Wilsey's uh, course. But anybody who's struggling with stirrup length and you go, you know, my stirrups just don't feel even, but every time I measure them, they measure equal. Well, that's when you start thinking about what's happening with the horse's rib cage, because you can see now the right foot slower. Okay, and as the horse is swung over, she's gonna make another shift here, right? And now the right foot is even lower than the left, right? And now she's, instead of rotating her rib cage, she's moved everything laterally right, okay, to look left. And now her weight is back on her right foot. So let's just, I'm just gonna take this back. I'll just come back here. And you can see there's the swing of the rib cage to the left, head goes right. And then the swing of the rib cage a little more left right, and then comes back, and then the foot moves, and then the stirrups look even. And all of this, now I'll just play it in real time, happened in a period of 25 seconds. So this is just 25 seconds of the horse being on the pad. So, you know, that's always why I talk about keeping the duration short, because this is a lot of stuff going on in 25 seconds. Um, but the amazing thing about this horse, and I have, uh, video of her moving. I, I saw her twice after the first session. I saw her a month later, her whole neck changed. It was more muscled and more developed. Um, I'll just kind of, uh, we took her into motion and this is just after we'd worked a little bit and um, this is vastly improved. I, I don't know that I have a handy video of the beginning but this is vastly improved. And right here, I wanna tell you what the success was. So right here, what you can see is that this horse is quietly trotting past the gate. And the thing that's so amazing about that is at the end, because at the end, I didn't see a lot of change in the way the horse was moving. She's still really short in front. This was how she was, was going. This was a little better, but not significantly better than when we started. But the thing that was so amazing 
was that the owner at the end, I, I asked her for the video to tell me what was different. And what she said was that my horse didn't blow up passing the door. So that door where you, right here, where you see the, the light, well, this is just another video of her going past the door, but here she is going past the door and she just looks, okay. She gets a little sticky, but she goes on. What, the, what had been happening that I did not know was that that horse was exploding every time she went past that doorway or the one on the other side when there were horses outside. And here we just saw her quietly, you know, we saw in the trot, she quietly trotted past and here she was a little bit hesitant and went on. And the owner was so thrilled. I had no idea that this horse was having any of those behaviors going past the door because she didn't tell me, not until the end, not until I asked her. And so that for me was just such an amazing thing. Um, I'm not even sure if this has, is to watch her be able to trot quietly past the door, even though her the movement's really not what we wanna see, right? But that she could quietly trot past that door and not explode. And then um, I'm just gonna pause and see if I can find uh, the, the after videos from, I went back and I saw her on a second time. So she did not work with the pads in between my visits. And we can tell the, the second session because she'll have a different shirt on. So I'm just kind of, um, oh, here's, I'll just play this. This is what she said. Tell me what you just told me about your horse. Okay. Well, this is the first time that when she's been so attentive and upset about the other horse out in the pasture that she has gone off and trotted with just being relaxed and moving forward. Every other time she is a bucking bronco and rears up and leaps in the air and bucks and I can barely make it all the way around the ring without her racing back to that door and leaping and bucking. And then tell me what you said when she went past the pads when you were riding every time we went past pads she she tried to slow up and she put her head down wanting to stop next to the pads because it felt so good so so we can say that surefoot really changed the be typical behavior of this horse in terms of her anxiety level yes to, from from bucking and jumping off the ground yes. to letting her neck down and even though she like tried to distract herself a few times i mean it's where I fight her to stay away from that gate right. um, because her anxiety is so bad towards the other horses sometimes. Wow. And she seemed even trying past it, you know, she was barely even focused to look out there. Awesome. Thank you so much. Oh, wait, did I not resume the share on that? You guys couldn't see that? Uh-oh. Okay. Put in the chat. Did you get to see that video or was I just watching it myself? Uh no, you didn't get to see it. Okay, I'm going to replay it. Sorry about that. That was my error. <laughs> I didn't hit resume share. I thought I was being fancy, just pausing share for a change. Okay. Uh, just audio, no video. Okay. Well, the audio is the important thing, but I'll play it again for you. Tell me what you just told me about your horse. Okay. Well, this is the first time that when she's been so attentive and upset about the other horse out in the pasture that she has gone off and trotted with just being relaxed and moving forward. Every other time she is a bucking bronco and rears up and leaps in the air and bucks and I can barely make it all the way around the ring 
without her racing back to that door and leaping and bucking. And then tell me what you said when she went past the pads when you were riding. Every time we went past the pads, she she tried to slow up and she put her head down wanting to stop next to the pads because it felt so good. So so we can say that Surefoot really changed the be typical behavior of this horse in terms of her anxiety level. Yes. From, from bucking and jumping off the ground yeah. to letting her neck down. And even though she like tried to distract herself a few times, I mean, it's where I fight her to stay away from that gate right. um, because her anxiety is so bad towards the other horses sometimes. Wow. And she seemed even trying past it, you know, she was barely even focused to look out there. Awesome. Thank you so much. And, you know, this is a horse uh, that she had taken that horse to uh, a top rehab center and they had done a lot of work on this horse. So you, you, I don't know if you noticed in that video that that horse still, her eye looks a bit of a pain eye, um, but it's not like she hadn't had a lot of rehab to get, you know, it took so long to heal the injury. But that's the thing is just because the injury is healed doesn't mean that the patterns have been restored. Those are two different things. So you've got to address the injury, the wound in this case, and you have to get the tissues to heal, but then you have to restore the movement because you're going to keep moving in the old pattern, the same pattern that you had while you were in pain and uncomfortable for all that length of time. And that's where Surefoot can be. So uh, I think that that's its, its best is when we help restore function to horses that have you know, had something happen to them or, you know, just, just life general, you know, there's so many ways in which our movement can be altered. Um, if our, you know, teeth, feet, back, saddle, rider, and nutrition, and you know, basic health. So if you've had an insult and you don't then do something to restore the system back to its, uh, you know, health, it's going to maintain that pattern. And so that's what my, one of my absolutely favorite case studies, um, I just uh, just was so, and that's the other thing about with Surefoot is when you work with these kind of horses and you see these kinds of changes, it's so heartening. It's so uh, heartwarming. Um, and so somebody's asking, I wonder, uh, I'm new to Surefoot and I'm wondering what pads I should buy as a starter pack. Okay, so we have a quiz. We actually have two quizzes now. If you go to the murdochmethod.com website under Surefoot, it says, where do I start? And that's one quiz. Or if you go to shop.surefootequine, you can take the quiz. So they're both starter quizzes. They're both quizzes to answer the question, what pad do I start with? They're slightly different and ask slightly different questions. You can take them both. You can take them as many times as you like. I just get an email when you've taken the quiz. It's no problem. Um, and it will give you a, a basic starting place because, um, you know, there's some basic uh, questions like if your horse is nervous, anxious, weak, been ill, you want to start harder. If the horse is basically calm, you can start with firm. But, um, you know, there's a couple other little little variations in there, but that's basically the idea. And then, of course, we have starter packs. If you just go to either, I'll just put it in here, shop. Sure. Um, Those are the two places where you can go and, and, um, oh, you're in the UK. Then you need to go to Becky Ferry. <laughs> Be 
Becky Ferry is our distributor and she's importing the product so you don't have to deal with it because shipping right now is a nightmare. <laughs> I don't want to ship overseas. And actually the UK, they just imposed some new rules because you guys are no longer part of EU. I just got it with stamps and I have to charge the VAT before we ship to you. So yes, please do um, go to Becky Ferry. You can find her on Facebook. You can find her listed under the international resellers on the Surefoot Equine website. So any international orders, that's the place to go to find your nearest reseller. It's uh, surefootequine.com, if I can type under sellers. Okay, so um, anybody watching, do you have a, a horse you wanna discuss or a case study or an experience you've had with Surefoot? If so, um, raise your hand. And um, I will let you. Uh, I will accept your raised hand, and we can we can do that, and we can talk about um, anything you want. Let's see, Mary Abbott. Okay, so now I'm going to come over here. Mary Abbott, allow her talk. All right, Mary, what's going on? Mary, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. Yes. Great. Yeah. Wendy, what really amazed me is I bought some pads, your media pads, a couple of years ago, and I've used them off and on with, um, you know, different results. A lot of times the horses don't stand them too long. They'll just step off. I had one Mustang that stood the longest time on one hind foot and finally moved off. But the most amazing thing is I have a chronic lower back, right hip injury, whatever. And I've been treated with Feldenkrais and pain meds for the last three years. And the other day I thought, huh. So I brought them, I stood on them outside and then I brought the pads in the house. And every time I think about it, I jump on those pads and Wendy, it's amazing. It is absolutely amazing what it has done for me. You know, and I need to be more observant with my horses. I'm, I'm a cowboy, so I ride rough country. But it was amazing what it did for me. And I just wanted to share that, man, you that just absolutely amazing that the pain relief, the stiffness, the soreness, and I can move so much easier. I just wanted to share that. I am so thankful that you shared that, Mary, because uh, that's just fantastic. And we, you know, we've had the idea of bringing these into the human market, but um, we've gotten a little bit, you know, we're just trying to catch up with everything here. Um, but that is so fantastic. And I might just give you one suggestion with your Mustangs. Um, the medium pad, as you know, is quite springy. And for people, when I make my balance trail, I put out all the different pads and I have all the people walk over it. People choose the medium the most, but it's not the one that I would start with with most horses. And with Mustangs, they tend to not like the springiness. So you might think about getting another pad. And um, if you wanted to kind of like really go to the other end of the scale, you might even just get like a half physio pad, which is uh, um, only an inch and a half tall or the hard and see if they like that because, um, and the half physio pad you can use with you I, or full physio, the physio pad itself. I use that to rehab after I had some surgery. Um, so that might be a suggestion to just try that and see how they like that because I do find sometimes the medium's too springy for some horses. Okay, thank you so very much. You're welcome, <laughs> thank you so much. This is great, I should have thought about doing this sooner. <laughs> All right, that's awesome. How many of you have actually, um, uh, is it, okay. 
I'm going to answer this question, then I'm going to ask how many of you have been, well, I'll ask it. How many of you have been using Surefoot for yourself, been standing on pads yourself? So you can just pop that in the Q&A or the chat. Um, and then we've had a question. Is it okay to use the pads while the horse is eating? Of course, he would have choice to stay in the pads or not. So, um, I mean, there isn't a rule written that you shouldn't allow the horse to eat while he's on the pads. But um, the thing about that is that I'm not sure how much they're paying attention to what you're doing versus, um, I mean, hang on, I'm just, I'm trying to, there we go. I'm just trying to fix, fix my screen there. So, you know, when they're eating, they're not necessarily paying as much attention to what they're doing on the pad as they might be if they were not eating. However, there isn't a rule that the horses should not eat. And it really depends on the circumstances. Um, whether or not I, I would use food. I, what I recommend against actually is clicker because you don't want to clicker the horse to stand on the pad. Now you're into a whole different thing. You're into training. And so now you're conflicting this idea of offering the horse something that he might like versus make, setting up a training exercise for him to stand on the pad. And I have seen horses that have been clicker trained that um, uh, were really, really anxious and, you know, it was, uh, there was a lot of conflict there. And so what I did with that horse in particular that I'm thinking about is I just wanted him to stand next to the pad and not even try to stand on the pad because he was so like frantic antic trying to, what am I supposed to do? You know, how do I get the click? And it was like, just stand next to it and do nothing. Um, and so that to me was a huge success with that horse. So just really think, consider why you're using food. I think that's probably the, the best way to look at that. If you're using food to try and coerce them into staying on the pad, then you might reconsider. But if it seems appropriate, um, you know, you can give it a shot. Uh, and Carol stood on the half physio pad and Janet's sitting on a pad right now, always have one under her feet at the computer. Yeah, that's a great place to have it. Um, uh, let's see what and how. Okay, so somebody's uh, put up a comment, which was great. Um, that says, I love these webinars because they're teaching me how to see what, how, and why the horses are moving, especially helpful is going back and forth between the slow motion. Yeah, and I found that that, and you can do that with your own videos. You know, you can take your videos and you can just play it back and forth. Um, I've got another comment prior to Surefoot, I was putting my horse Pertron uh, spot on the old pads and my friend loaned me her firm pads regular and slant. Now I wanna purchase my own and wonder what I would recommend. Also, do I stand on pads myself and always, also, I do stand on pads myself and always get relief from knee and back pain. Um, speaking of relieving back pain for people, uh, that's where we find the slants are the really, really beneficial. So when, you know, I'm doing an expo or I'm doing something where I only have people and I don't have a horse to demonstrate with, we, we set out all the pads, but what I have people do is stand on the slants. Now, as riders, a lot of riders want to stand heel low, right? Like getting your heels down on the slant pads and they feel the stretch in their calf. But go ahead and do that if you have some slants next time you're out at the barn or wherever they are. And what you're going to feel is that your knees go into extension and your lower back goes into extension, meaning you get a more of a hollow in your lower back and your knees go straight. So in terms of shock absorption, that's not the best because now the joints aren't able to absorb shock. And then turn around and stand on the pads heel high. And when you do that, 
um, soften your knees a bit. I wish I had a slant pad to demonstrate, but if, if you're here, if you're standing on a, on a slant pad and you stand on it heel low, it's going to cause all the bones to straighten. But if you stand on a heel high, what happens is, and then just put a little bend in your knees, right? Because horses are not able to lock their knees straight the way we can. They can, they can use their stay apparatus to lock the knee by slipping over the, the patella over um, so that they can sleep. But that's a different story. That's uh, uh, horses have a unique structure there in their stifle function. Um, but just in general, they cannot um, totally straighten their stifle. And their hock and their stifle are tied together in what's called a reciprocal mechanism. So there's, uh, I've forgotten the two, the Peronius and somebody else. So basically the stifle and the hock, they open and close together. So here's the, the idea. If you think of picking up your horse's hind leg, you know that he flexes the stifle and he flexes the hock. And then if you do a, a gentle stretch and you take his leg out behind him, he's now opening the hock, right? And, and opening the stifle. So they're, um, it's almost kind of like um, one of your wash racks that it works together, right? That it opens or closes together. If they rupture peroneus, they can do something we can do easily. We can bend the knee and uh, straighten the ankle. So if you're sitting there, just bend your knee and point your foot down. And now you have flexed the knee and actually extended, that's another story, but you've straightened the ankle. And horses can't do that. They can only bend and straighten those two together because of this reciprocal mechanism. So my point being, when you're standing on a slant pad, if you soften your knees a little bit, then you're more like a horse. And what people report to me person after person after person is that the lower back softens and gets, it gets more comfortable. Um, it feels less strained. And so this is one of the things that I do with people all the time is I have them stand on the slant pads. I watch how they stand on it, how they choose, which is typically heel low because they're riders and they wanna get their heel down. But when they turn around and soften the knees, they can immediately feel a relaxation in the back because it takes some of the lordosis, the forward curve out, lets the back lengthen, then the hips can free up because now the iliofemoral ligaments no longer under tension. And, and you can feel this grounding effect. We know that this uh, is occurring in dogs because when we use the sure pause pads, which they're not ready for prime time yet, um, we're working on some stuff, but we have a few people beta testing the sure pause pads. And when they use the slant pads heel high for the dogs, they can literally feel the psoas muscle soften. Now we can't feel the psoas muscle in a horse and um, at least I can't, I can't feel my own psoas muscle, but I can feel the effect in my back. Um, and so that's why I think that we see some of this relief in horses is I can guess that they're feeling similar things. Um, so yeah, somebody else is saying, um, so back to this question of uh, uh, firm pads, wanna purchase your own. Well, if your horse is already used to the pads, um, I would say that the you know firm plant pads you can't go wrong with, um, and firm and slant is a great place to start so that you can do that with your horse yourself. And then you you if you wanted to get a third pair, you might go soft, just so you have you know a a, a different density. Um, but yeah, definitely standing on the pads for your own back relief. Let's see, someone else is saying I'm using the physio pad and it's helped my lower back pain. That's awesome. 
um, and somebody else is saying, I only have the full physio, only stand on it once in a while, but I have a human pad, uh, range of motion rehabbing broken leg that I use sometimes also, I've just from foam pads in your kitchen. Yeah. Um, and we have one farrier. He bought a full physio pad. It's never seen a horse. It's in front of his kitchen sink. He stands on it all the time when he's doing the dishes. Um, and I actually use the physio pad to rehab after my surgery. All right. I've got another person asking. She says, I have an old horse with arthritis in his right front knee. Which pad do I suggest to use? And does it work best uh, to only use it on one leg? Great question. So let me see if I can pull up the pictures of an arthritic horse that I worked uh, with last March. Um, basically, when you're thinking about an arthritic horse, the joints are, have already gotten re either restricted or stiff, or there might be some bony changes. So you, you do not want to introduce too much movement too fast because it, would be, it could be uncomfortable. So when we think about, oh yeah, here I can find this horse. Uh, let me see if this is the right video. Oh yeah, this will this um, I haven't watched this in a while, but we'll play this and we'll see how it goes. Um, let me share my screen. I'll just make that bigger and drop the sound out. So. Um, I might, oh, I'm working with the rider at this point. I'm doing something else, but let me see if I have another video of that horse. Let me know if I'm making you nauseous moving through the pictures. Oh yeah, here he is. Um, I think we've just walked in there. So with arthritic horses, I typically recommend that you start with hard and hard slant. And this horse here is an older horse. He has arthritis and we've started him on the hard pad. And the reasoning here is, again, if you have too much instability they, and the joints aren't able to respond, it's gonna, they're gonna have to step off or do something because they, their body can't respond to the pad. So if you start hard, it's only gonna give to heat and pressure. There's no lateral instability. So now the horse can get the comfort from surefoot and the relaxation. And you may find um, over time that you can then move on to to more unstable densities. In other words, you can go from hard and move to firm because now he's more capable of accommodating that movement that it's gonna create for a horse that has, has arthritis. So um, I always recommend that you start harder and then move to softer with arthritic horses for that reason. Just think about, you know, if you have achy joints and somebody comes along and says, oh, you gotta move a whole lot. You're like, whoa, wait a second. I don't know if I can do this, but if we say, hey, look, you know, here, feel this, right? And you can see right there that he steps, that's not unintentional. This is when I get the, the message from the horse to do the back foot is they'll often step on it just like that. And that's a hard pad. And then I can say, okay, this horse is ready for me to, to work with his back foot. Now, this is another video. I don't see any pads under his feet, but I think we're just walking him. And you can see that he's, he's pretty short in that right front, but moving more freely on the, sorry, short, in the right, yeah, right front, moving a little more freely. And I don't know if I have, nope, I don't have another video of him at that point. So, you know, that the whole idea is that just like in a, with people uh, in a graded system, and that's what this is, a graded system of instability, you want to reassure the horse that everything's okay by going with something harder 
And then as he starts to figure this out and go, okay, I can, you know, feel this movement and you can see the changes, then you gradually move into more challenging, if you will, more unstable pads. Um, somebody said, I have a horse slowly rotates its foot while on the pad, wasn't able to get a video. Oh, I can show you a video of that. I have a great video of a horse. Um, let me find it. Um, it's back a bit. So I just have to scroll here for a second to find that video. But uh, I have a great illustration of that. And it's not unusual. To, oh, yeah, here it is. Um, oh, wait, I got to share my screen first. Um, I've seen this a number of times. So this was a very, um, he was very sore footed horse. Um, he looked quite uncomfortable when I first saw him. We started with the physio pad. You can see the full physio pad there in the screen. And then uh, I used physio and hard and then I went to soft. And so this was a case where I wanted him to be familiar with the idea. He was very accepting. You could see a response. And then I went to soft. And, and this may be too much for him at this point um, in this session. But what you can really see is if you watch this left hind foot, you can see just how much he twists on it. Right? And, and watch how, yeah, the whole foot is twisting and it's actually turning the pads. Right. So we kept the duration really short. This video is um, uh, it's 54 seconds long. That's even fairly long once he started to sway. But I'll just I'll scrub it for you. Right. So I just come around to the back. And so notice that it almost looks like this fetlock is a little bit broken to the outside and that the weight is much more on the outside of the foot. And you can see that he looks like he's got more weight over this leg, left hind. This foot's a little bit turned out. Right. And then the camera person, me, finally got into a position. Right. And you can see right from here to here how much his weight goes way to the outside. And then the foot starts to twist and the pad actually starts to twist. And the reason it doesn't twist more is because of the grippiness of the footing. And then it comes back. And so, you know, actually in slowing this down and looking at this, even though it appears that his weight's more on the left hind, I actually think it's more on the right hind, the more stable leg. And this is the less loaded, less stable leg, which is why we're seeing that twisting. You know, it's really hard to say without putting a force plate underneath them, which I obviously didn't do. And look at how much the tail sways, right? So if we go from here and then we watch the tail, you can see how much the tail sways over that foot and it never goes over to the right foot. And then the camera person gets into a lower angle, right? And there you can see how, watch the right foot, watch this one because he loads and unloads. Where is it? It's right. Yep, right there, he unloads the right hind and then puts more weight back on it. And then we can see how this one starts to twist. 
I'll just do that a couple times. You can just see it's unloaded, loaded, right hind twisting, left hind loaded, right hind twisting, both twisting, right? So, so, oh, Mary's raised her hand again. Did you raise your hand again on purpose, Mary? I'm gonna ask you to unmute. Okay, Mary, if you wanna talk, you have to unmute. <laughs> um, but maybe that was from before. So yes, twisting is not unusual. You really wanna keep your duration shorter when you see a lot of twisting like that. Um, we have confirmed cases of horses that stopped twisting their hocks using Surefoot over a period of two years. We're not sure when it happened because the owner uh, wound up riding behind her horses. She has school horses and riding behind them on a trail ride and realized they weren't twisting their hocks anymore. So we're not really sure when that happened, but it makes sense to me that if you start to strengthen the little tiny muscles that stabilize, um, yes, I think that when you see rotation like that, that there's gonna be rotation up in the femur. I think the whole, you see the whole leg. And so when a lot of people, you know, when you see a hock twisting motion, when a horse is walking, I really think that that's a hip twisting motion. Um, and that's what I think uh, changes um, that certainly in those cases that I know about um, that as they, the muscles strengthened and held the hip better, then you don't see that twisting. When you think about the twisting, what, what you want for maximum efficiency is that when the foot hits the ground and the horse loads over it and then pushes against the ground, you want the, the maximum amount of ground reaction force, the maximum amount of push to propel the whole horse forward. But if instead, if the, you see a twisting motion now, it takes so much more effort to move the body the same distance forward than it does when it's just pushing straight. So when you see a horse that has a twisting hock, my thoughts go to, um, you know, what is that hip really stabilizing to receive the push from the ground? So, and the kind of the other way I think about this is when I'm working with a rider and I have to stand on a mounting block because I'm short and I stand on the mounting block and I um, use my hands because that's how I work as I place my hands on the rider and I feel what they're doing with their body. And if they're hollow, they've arched their back and I push them, I can knock them right over. But if they have flattened their back and it's nice and expanded, when I push, I move the horse. Well, sometimes when I push, I move the mounting block that I'm on. So you have to look at where's the least amount of friction to, for that force to go. And on some mounting blocks, when I push, the mounting block against the ground has the least amount of friction. And so I'm moving instead of the horse moving. And in the same sort of vein, when you see a hawk twisting like that, really it's a leg twisting um, in most cases. And so there's a weak link in terms of the push of the foot against the ground to move the whole body forward. Um, so I've got some comments here. Let's see, somebody said, let's, uh, let's see. Um, I recall Sharon May Davis talking about that sort of hock twisting can be associated with damage to the round ligament in the hip. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about that, but um, I don't know that it's all related to damage because if it was related to damage, then this horse couldn't have improved. So, um, you know, I think we have to be careful with making any kind of diagnosis without actually making, you know, having a vet needs to make that diagnosis. Um, but it is interesting that 
we can observe these things and really more interesting is observing over time using Surefoot to see, is it getting better? Um, let's see, somebody's asked, they said, I've got a young mare with growing pains and swelling in her stifles. Do you have a pad you can recommend to start with? You have the physio plus the green and the purple ones. Yeah, you know, that's where um, you might find that the firm, sorry, the hard slants might be helpful. They might alleviate the stifle a little bit. Um, you know, just check with your vet on that. Um, we don't wanna do anything counterproductive. Um, and the reason for the hard slants is they're gonna be structurally more, more stable um, and just alleviate a bit, see if that helps. Um, let's see, I have another question here. My vet diagnosed my horse with DDFT strain on right front. Our treatment is cold hosing 20 minutes and walks. Can I add Surefoot? No, not until your vet tells you you can. Um, so when you have a, a tendon issue, you have an unstable environment. And if you add more instability into an unstable environment, you can make things not, at least not improve. However, you have three other legs that are now taking more load because of the injured leg. And if the horse is in a stall, you have a horse deconditioning all the time the horse is in the stall while you're trying to, you know, healing this leg. So I would have you, you know, talk to your vet, but I would recommend that you use Surefoot under the uninjured legs, the other three legs to just give them a break, make them feel more comfortable. And, um, you know, you can, the little tiny postural muscles will be working. So you're going to keep some activity there in the muscles, um, but check with your vet first and make sure that um, your vet is on board with this, that they're okay with you using Surefoot. If they're not sure, you know, they can always contact us. We have webinars and other veterinarians we can refer them to if they have not heard of Surefoot and they have any questions, we're happy to help. Um, then after your vet has said that the tendon has healed sufficiently, and that's between you and your vet, then what we recommend is that you start with only hard or the, like the physio pad and then hard because you don't want instability. You want to offer comfort. You want to start re, re, uh, rehabilitating the proprioceptors where the horse is in space. You want to get them back to being more balanced, more even. But again, check with your veterinarian. Talk to them about using Surefoot. Think about using it with the uninjured legs and then only work with the hard with the injured leg when the vet gives approval and then gradually working into the other unstable, you know, like firm going down through. Um, and we have a lot of people that have used Surefoot in rehabbing tendons, but you know, it's without seeing that horse, without a good diagnosis and without a veterinarian or in your team, your farrier, your vet, everybody working on the same page, we, you know, you, uh, we don't recommend any, anything uh, in that situation. You really need to work with your team. Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, uh, okay. Um, great. So, you know, have your vet get in touch with me and I can, um, I've got a, several vets that are using Surefoot now that, and we got some webinars and stuff, but um, Dr. Sherry Johnson has used Surefoot a lot. Um, Dr. Sherry. Uh, and she's at CSU. And um, we have a webinar with Sherry from last, I think it was last April. It was really early on talking about using Surefoot for rehab. So that would be a, just a really good uh, resource. Okay. Um, anybody else got any questions or, or something they want to talk about, a case study or a horse you're working with? 
Um, you can just raise your hand. We can, yep, okay, great. I'm, see, I'm learning how to use hand raising now. Hi, Michelle, can you hear? Oh, you have to unmute, Michelle. Oh, here you go. Hi. Can you hear me? Yeah. So I have, I have three different cases, but I'm just gonna talk about one right now. Um, I'm working with a horse that has been diagnosed with navicular in both front feet. And I started him out on the hards and you can tell by the impression, of course, he's putting all of his weight on his toes. He's mm. trying to relieve those heels and we've pulled the shoes and we're trimming and we're following all the other protocol um, with him and he's doing really well. Um, but we started after two sessions on the hards, um, I got the soft, I ordered the soft and put him on the soft. And I just want to say this, I, this was an observation that I thought was interesting is he, after this, it'd be the second time standing on the softs, he kind of chose to put just his toes on them and stand with almost, you know, you would think it'd be stretching that tendon because the heel is down further but he preferred to stand with just his toes on him. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to say that. So that, that yeah, was, and like, that's so cool, right? Because um, you're letting him show you what he wants. I think that your next pair of pads might be firm slants. <laughs> okay. Um, because if he's already making a, he's making a slant, he's doing it himself, right? By just mm -hmm. having his toe on. And um since you already have the hard, I think the firm slants, because it's going to be softer than the hard slants, we don't make a slant out of soft and medium because it just wouldn't work. The materials, too, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but the yeah. firm slants, and I would offer them exactly how he's doing it with the, the heel low. Yeah. And the nice thing about the slant is that you can either have them just at the very edge of it or far up on it. So you've got yeah. all this range that he can have his foot with, with different degrees, right? So if it's just a little bit on the edge, now his heel's not down very far, right? But far. if it's up yeah. higher, it's more. Because he's already showing you. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, um, I, and I have a feeling he won't put a whole lot of his toe because that's not what he, that's what he's doing with the soft even. He's just putting like maybe an inch, inch and a half of his toe uh, on the soft. So interesting. Um, Ida, what, um, I don't know if you watched the webinar with Ida Hammer that I just did this, I think, was it Monday? I did. And the, the NOx, the NO2, and the, uh -huh. and the increase. So you just have to wonder, you know, is this horse trying to regulate something in his foot? I have no answer to that, but, it's, but it is interesting, isn't it? Yes, it is. All these things that I've been learning from your webinars have been awesome and they've been very helpful. Um, I got some of the um, arty mud the other day and I'm oh, hoping that will also help him because because of his frogs are are very ate up and he just doesn't have much frog to begin with. So I'm have hoping you taken that will pictures help. of his feet. Yes, I do have pictures of his feet. Great. So I have. Uh, yep, I have been doing that. Yeah, because you're going to be. Uh, so, you know, it's so nice to, when I, I took pictures of my horse's feet and now I wish I did better pictures and more frequently because I'm seeing huge changes in their feet, um, doing some of the things from the webinars and that sort of thing. But I love art of mud because it can, you can really pack it in there nicely. So that's great. I'm glad it's being helpful. Well, thank you so much for doing this.
You're welcome. All right, does anybody else um, have any questions or any comments um, uh, that they want to share or a horse they're working with? Okay, so um, what have I got to kind of finish up with? Let me take a look here and see what videos that I have. Anything interesting? Oh, I think this is interesting. Let me just, I'm just gonna look at it really quick. Just, I, you know, I'm just gonna share this video. I haven't watched a lot of these. I have so many videos and I haven't watched them in a long time, but um, the, I love the facial changes that we see. Oh, wait, this one's actually even better. Um, this horse here. So this woman, we were uh, doing a workshop and she brought her two ranch horses. And um, this guy, I want you to notice how soft his face is right there. Uh, when we started, he had, well, you can see it. There's the tendon line. You can see it, how sometimes it gets stronger and there he's licked and chewed. But he made such a huge change. You can see how deep that, that little um, line gets right there right there, you can see that kind of tension. And I'm not even sure exactly what we're looking at exactly. And is he like kind of sucking his cheeks in? I'm not even sure. Um, but the difference in this horse that we saw over the course of two days, that completely disappeared. It completely went away because you can still see it there. Um, and this is just, you know, looking closely at the eye. I've been trying to do some videos to kind of you know, help people see some of the different changes, the deeper eye blinks that we see, you know, where his eyes almost shut, right? And then he has like, oh, I got to open my eye. Um, and if anybody, we're really hoping that we can start doing our practitioner workshops this year um, in, in 2021, that we can get things under control and we can kind of get back to some kind of normal. Uh, but one of the things that I see it when I do these workshops is that I have to be so careful how much time we work at the horses, because just like that horse, all the people get really blinky and really relaxed. And in like a couple hours, I've lost everybody. They're all, all chilling. Um, so I always have to like keep up some higher energy activity while we work with the horses on the pads because everybody gets pretty relaxed. Well, we've come to the end of another hour. Um, this has been really fun. It's really great to be able to figure out how to do the raised hand thing. They've added a little icon on the bottom of my menu on Zoom to make it easier. And um, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, it's been a pleasure as always. And um, yeah, it's always fun. Let's see, I offer the physio pad. So somebody's commenting, I offer the physio pad to all the horses where I ride. Uh, one day I took a lesson on a new horse that I had offered the pad to, and he often rode his riders out of the gate, even very experienced ones. He thought about every time we rode by the gate, but he followed my aids and corrections. I think it was because of the pads. Diane, I'm sure it's because of the pads. They know when we're willing to listen. So thanks so much. Have a great weekend. Well, um, I think we only have two webinars next week because I've, I've got to go do something um, and so it's kind of gotten in the way of the webinar. So I think we just have a Monday and a Friday and then the following week we'll have more. So thank you all for joining me and see you next time. Bye.